This time, we're taking a look at the return of the MCU with Black Widow. And along the way, we ask, why is Scarlett Johansson just now getting a solo film? Is it possible to emotionally invest in a dead character? And how does this movie set up Phase 4? Your podcast only makes you stronger on this edition of Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Force-Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Rupp, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, The Black Widow, Sean Michael Culp. So you're just going to be the, the lone male in all of the Black Widows just uh, creating international havoc then? I Apparently. That's, that's what I went with, Chris. <laughs> I'm, I'm down <laughs> to give it a shot. Uh, if you don't mind being uh, mind controlled into in giving up all of your free will, I mean, sure, go right ahead. You do you. I won't stop you. I will support your endeavors. Well, here's the thing. What will I know? I'm being mind controlled, huh? Well, I mean, you know, as they say, ignorance is bliss. I guess. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, you know what? I'm I'm sticking to my guns. I'm going for it. <laughs> so, uh, oh God! Welcome, guys, back to another podcast, Black Widow. Right. This is exciting. I've been we just kind of pop this into the theaters. Right. And we decide to talk about it. Yeah, I know uh, you did the theater route uh, and I uh, I did the premiere access on Disney Plus because uh, I'm still a little anti theater at the moment. See my uh, previous rant at the end of A Quiet Place Part Two. That's right. Because after that rant, you had such a horrible experience. You decided to go. How did uh, so me? I saw it IMAX. It's pretty darn good, like sound quality, because it's IMAX. How was your viewing experience from home? You know, it was on my little thirty-inch uh, screen in uh, my living room. It wasn't too bad. Uh, I didn't feel like wowed by anything. I'm sure I would have been a bit more impressed if I went to see it in the theaters, but I was, uh, I was a bit angry at uh, you know the local movie theater. So I decided <laughs> to no, I shall protest and give Disney more money. <laughs> and how do you feel about your decision? Have you since forgiven? You know, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I've gone back to the movie theater since. I, I've forgiven movie theaters. I feel I still feel pretty good about uh, my decision because uh, it only costs $30 for the premiere access. And uh, I probably would have spent that much on two tickets to go see it. So I, I'm, I'm OK with my decision. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I had 30 bucks is about right. And all right. Well, good. Good. I'm glad, you know, you had your little <laughs> protest and you know what? Good for uh, you sticking to what you believe in, man. I support yeah. you, <laughs> as friends do. So rock on. Let's yeah. jump into this bad boy uh, with synopsis. Yeah, before we uh, dive into uh, today's episode, uh, we feel a little obligated to provide a spoiler warning since this is a newer release. But uh, if you wish to keep your experience spoiler-free, please stop listening here. But otherwise, what, uh, whatever happens is on you. All right, so synopsis of Black Widow. Following the events of Captain America Civil War, Natasha Romanoff is on the run when the mysterious forces behind her creation reemerge and is forced to confront the horrors of her past. She must reunite with her broken family to defeat the horrors and save the world from the shadows that threaten to uncover. Ooh. And the plot thickens. The plot thickens, yeah. A lot of espionage, a lot of twists and turns, a lot of... Uh, 
a lot of like stuff that's you know behind the scenes of the MCU that kind of goes unnoticed. I mean, we get so wrapped up in the big spectacle, the big villains that come from outer space or the ones that have a, a true chance to destroy humanity. We kind of overlook the you know the ground level threats. Yeah, and I think sometimes as uh, with Marvel films, the one offs when they're not these huge you know Avengers unite films. I kind of like those a little bit better because it brings the film down to more of a digestible scale, you know, where it doesn't seem so, so fantastical, where it's completely unbelievable. I know um, Winter Soldier to me is like one of those films where it's global, but it's more behind the scenes-esque, you know? And I think with this film, it was nice to kind of dive back into those types of movies as opposed to you know, Endgame and Infinity Wars, which are great in their own merit, but it's a little bit different sauce. Yeah, and I actually just watched Captain America Civil, uh, no, The Winter Soldier. And uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's refreshing to see kind of like a scaled down um, MCU film that still has all of the epicness we come to expect, but it's just, instead of, you know, 27 characters on screen, there's you know, four or five. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so... In this film, uh, who directed this one? Uh, it's directed by Kate Shortland, so one of the only female uh, directors in the MCU. I think the other one uh, was, I think, Nia DaCosta for uh, uh, Captain Marvel. So I think Marvel is now starting to have more females direct the movies because Oscar winner Chloe Zhao is directing The Eternals, and I think uh, Nia DaCosta's returned to do uh, the Captain Marvel sequel. And pretty pretty star-studded cast as well scarlett johansson obviously returns to play uh natasha romanoff black widow you've got a big time star up-and-coming star florence Pugh as yelena belova uh everyone's favorite uh you know drunken cop from stranger things david harbour <laughs> as the red guardian uh ot uh Fega Benle as Rick Mason. I'm hope I'm saying that name right. Uh <laughs> Olga, former Bond woman Olga Kurilenko as Taskmaster. It was a surprise to see her uh, show up in this movie a little bit. We've got also another returning member of the MCU. We've got William Hurt as General Thaddeus Ross. Uh Ray Winstone, uh, the great British accent as uh, Drakoff, the big baddie of the film. And finally, we've got Rachel Weiss as Melina uh, Vostikov, the kind of the mother figure to uh, the Black Widow's uh, family unit here. So on paper, pretty star-studded cast, right? You got a lot of talent there, I think. You know, you got Ray Ray Weiss, who's uh, or Ray uh, Winstone. Sorry, he's fantastic. I mean, he's he's just one of those guys that's a class actor. I mean, Rachel Weiss is great. Um, yeah. Well, William Hurt is he even is he even in the film? It's like at the beginning, right? He's in the movie for all of like two minutes, but he's still there. He's still there. He's still there. And then you know, Scarlett Johansson is great for the new characters that were uh, introduced. How'd you like him? Oh man, I I'm a I was a big fan of the Red Guardian. Like I thought he was perfect for this movie, and I thought uh, Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova was absolutely fantastic. Just a great new additions to the MCU. I, I was actually kind of hoping they would they would stick around for a sequel or something. Yeah, I know. I felt the same. Uh, Red Guardian was hilarious. I mean, that guy, he was so funny. He, like, played his role 
so well. And then her sister as well. Just fantastic, fantastic. Like, um, just they really, I just felt like they were entrenched in their roles, you know? Like, it was good. It wasn't, it, nothing felt really slept walk through, you know? These, it was very well acted, I would say. No, everyone showed up. Everybody understood the assignment. It was, it was refreshing to see, you know, such commitment to the role. I mean, although, I mean, the accents a little bit kind of seemed like everybody was doing like a Boris and Natasha type of deal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of leaning, definitely leaning in hard to what we imagine to be a stereotypical Russian accent. That's, oh, yeah, you're so right with that because, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I it kind of shook me in a way because I was like, wait, accents? Who are these guys trying to be? And like, you know, they went into the whole Russian. I am from Russia, Mother Russia. Like it was like, all right, let's. Do they all sound like Putin? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, have I mean, there is other reference video that we can pull from to get an accent from. We don't. We don't all have to do the same Boris and Natasha deal. Come on. <laughs> yes. Yes. How? With this film, um, so it came out right now. Obviously, it's it was delayed, right? the The film was originally delayed. Yeah, I remember being pumped about this because uh, this was set to come out, I think, in March of 2020, and then obviously the pandemic hit, and nobody did anything fun. Nobody's really still doing anything fun. Like 16 months later, and I remember just being like disappointed i was really hoping to see this and it just totally delayed the entire slate of phase four films that were set to come out and it just really kind of put a uh, a bummer on the summer and there were i mean i mean the plans to make this film were going back probably until like 2004 and then in the early days of the mcu like natasha romanoff was one of the early characters they introduced because she was she was brought on for iron man 2 and i remember there was a like, I remember the studio was leaning one way or the other. They were going to cast either Emily Blunt or Scarlett Johansson to be Black Widow. And I, like, it's obviously still a great choice with Scarlett, but I wouldn't have been disappointed if they chose Emily Blunt. No, I mean, Emily Blunt, she's such a great actress. And and we've glo- we've talked about her, I think, in three movies now, right? Um, three or four, actually. I mean, she's just so talented. They both are really talented in their own right. I mean, you know, Scarlett Johansson and... She's in countless films. Check out check out uh, Lost in Translation if you want a good one with her. I mean, they're just both incredible. So I, I agree with you. I wouldn't mind. It's just weird to imagine Emily Blunt as, you know, the Black Widow. It's just weird. I think in hindsight now, now that Scarlett Johansson has played the character in so many movies, it's hard to imagine anybody else playing uh, playing her. But there was interest for a long time in making a Black Widow solo film. Like Joss Whedon even wanted to make a film at one point, but obviously we all find out he's a garbage human and has nothing to do with the MCU anymore. And it then goes and ruins <laughs> the Justice League afterwards. Um, and then Kate Shortland was actually personally selected by Scarlett Johansson because she was a producer on the movie to uh, for Shortland to she chose her specifically to direct this movie. So bit uh yeah bit a hand of fate, some providence working in there. Yeah, definitely. Do you think it coming out later may have affected? Like, do you wish with this film? Because I know when I saw it, I wished that it had come out earlier, like 2016, 2017, you know, so we could get a little a better grasp on who Scarlett Johansson, like who the Black Widow was. I mean, 
you know, obviously they had like Thor, Iron Man, and, you know, Captain America during that time. That was the prime, but, and there's so many movies, but would you have rather had this released as opposed to um, Cap, uh, Captain Marvel? No, I think it was necessary to still release Captain Marvel when it did come out to set up the character's return in Avengers Endgame. But I would have appreciated it more if Black Widow came out and say, like, 2017, you know, fresh after Civil War and her leaving the Avengers. Whereas you come out, this film comes out now, and the character has died in Endgame. And for me, the whole time I'm watching this movie thinking... Oh, you're just going to die a couple movies later, a few years down the road. Like this this movie really doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it, it's it's hard to retroactively like invest in a movie when you know that yeah, wow, this movie is going to work out. She's just going to die a couple of years later. I know. That's I know and it, it it's I mean, it's tough to invest in Marvel a lot of Marvel films because no one ever dies. <laughs> I mean, Loki's back. I mean, everyone keeps coming back, you know. But I thought, at least for a little bit, that her sister was going to die because she dyes her hair blonde, right, for Endgame. And even that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the only thing we get is the explanation of where that weird vest came from. I mean, because that shows up in Infinity War. But it's just, for me, it was just hard to kind of care about the movie at times because... I just thought, oh, you're just going to die in Endgame. Like, why should I watch you now? I know. I know. And I mean, I I know in this film, like, they had, like, their little thing. Like, at the end credits, they're going after Hawkeye now. But it's just really weird. Um, it, it was just tough. I, I agree. There were, there were moments in this film, while it, was, it looked pretty, and a lot of scenes were executed well, it's just really tough to have that... Uh, you, it's really tough to invest in the characters when you know like one's going to die and then the others are probably not going to show up or you know they have no impact in the actual story plus like they're not yeah. going to die <laughs> so it's just like oh okay okay i mean i certain yeah i mean to echo what you were saying i certainly did enjoy the action at some points but i i'm i really just found myself calling out like past espionage or action films where this film borrowed things from and by the end of it it was just exhausting to try and keep up with everything really uh what are some okay so that chase scene in in budapest where the where the apc showed up i mean that that just reminded me of a a tank chase scene in russia from the from a golden eye uh (laughs) the motorcycle showing up i mean that that reminded me of a couple of mission impossible movies and 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 the fight scenes themselves just seemed like callbacks from either other James Bond movies or Jason Bourne movies. So there was just, oh, it was just so exhausting to be calling out these past references or and even say like, oh, well, this is from, you know, this other movie in the MCU. So it really just kind of seemed like this insidious pattern of borrowing from movies within your own franchise to say, hey, look, we've got good action too. I know. And, you know, it's weird that they recycled i mean well it doesn't surprise me because i actually read an article that disney for like their mcu movies they plan out the action scenes before they even cast the film before they even have a story written out so it doesn't surprise me that they like borrow from quote-unquote better films i mean no offense but i mean if you compare even the most recent mission impossible ending 
which is fantastical in and of itself with the helicopter chase to like the ending of this film where they're like falling from the sky from this super base. I mean, I felt more compelled in Mission Impossible than this one. Well, yeah, and even the climax in Black Widow is it's pulled directly from a moment in a James Bond film where 007 is pushed out of a plane without a parachute and now has to free fall and find a way to land safely. It's 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 just this whole insidious pattern that's repeated in this film of borrowing from other films to say, look, we can put together a decent film, too. But also Scarlett Johansson's doing all of these things. Yeah, I know. And it's it's just I don't know. It's It almost feels like kind of a waste of her character because it seems to me like the black black widow was the least interesting character in this whole film <laughs> like her family some of the best parts of this film were when they were together in the family unit like it's it's a weird film like there's moments where it's really good the opening scene was great with the plane taking off and it was really curious and the espionage scenes um where you're learning about her when she's having re- um communication like her relationships with people that was the interesting stuff. It just, to me, felt like the most boring parts of the film were the action scenes. Yeah, I mean, but like you were saying, I mean, the characters, the other ones were not boring at all. And, oh. like, we've got to go, we've got to talk about the Red Guardian again, I think. like Because, honestly, I think he was the best new character in this movie, bar none. Without a doubt. He was so funny. His character growth and just everything he do you think he chose to be in the prison instead of escaping you know that was actually something i was wondering like uh like what he did to merit winding up in a in a siberian prison he must have done something or it must have been you know a regime change in russia that you know didn't want reminders of the old uh, old regime so they just threw him in a prison and and forgot about him yeah i wasn't certain about it either because i thought I, w- I thought they mentioned it in the movie. I couldn't remember because when they were searching, you know, Black Widow wanted to get to the guy, the head boss man. So she asked Guardian. He's like, I don't know. I wasn't friends with him. You have to ask Rachel Weiss's character, you know, because she worked for him and everything. He just threw me in prison after, you know, like he was done with me. It was just, it was like, well, why? Like, and I felt like, the Red Guardian was strong enough to escape the prison if he really wanted to. I mean, he could have, but maybe he just had a pretty cushy life there, you know, breaking guys' wrists and <laughs> arm wrestling matches and, you know, getting favor from the guards and being treated like a king there. I mean, right? maybe that was maybe that was a pretty good setup for him. You never know. Probably, well, yeah, telling lies about battles that he fought in. I mean, you know, he didn't have to worry. His life was taken care of, basically. Let me ask you this too. Like, how interested would you be in seeing um, the Red Guardian and David Harbor return, like, in some way to the MCU? Oh, I think it would be interesting, very interesting as a film. And I hope with the future films that they do something like that with um, Black Widow's sister. I mean, I really do, because his character, like you said, and I agree with you, was the most interesting. He was funny. I mean, his action scenes weren't too terrible. He just had that dynamic. And he and I think he was the... Well, there were two. He's, he's one of the two males in this film that isn't portrayed as, like, a sex offender or, like, a horrible, deplorable 
you know, human being. I mean, he was stupid. He was very dumb, but um, he doesn't get his comeuppance. You know, honestly, I would like to see him return in like a, a prequel series that'd be on Disney Plus. I mean, because, you know, he mentions like, there I was fighting Captain America. Like, it's not outside the realm of possibility. You know, if the Red Guardian was, you know, doing, you know, covert stuff in the 80s, there could have been like another covert Captain America. I mean, we saw that established in um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier with Isaiah Bradley's character and him being Captain America during the Korean War. So it's entirely possible there was a secret Captain America in the 80s nobody knew about that was fighting, you know, doing covert missions in Soviet Russia. See, I think that would be cool. And, and I'm sure they could put a series out if he's not too busy. Because does, does uh, Stranger Things, is that still going? Like, is that still a thing? Oh yeah, we got one more one more season so far. Hopefully that comes out this year, fingers crossed. All right, so I I think it's plausible for a future film or a TV series at least with Red Guardian. I don't see why not. That would be kind of intriguing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, maybe maybe you find a way to like have a more compelling villain cuz honestly like Drakov as the villain here, I mean, this like that twist just lacked a lot of punch and his return was just being teased the entire time and his daughter being revealed as taskmaster like could have been much bigger and it really should have been and i feel like it was a disservice to like that character because taskmaster actually is a pretty compelling villain and i don't know i just got the feeling that marvel is just being set up to have another villain problem in like that plagued their movies for almost 10 years before they figured it out well, they don't, they don't take time to invest in the characters at all or write a good villain role. I mean, Taskmaster has everything, every reason to hate Black Widow, even if she wasn't under mind control, right, for messing up her face, all of that. And I just think they just, I don't know, they, it, just, it was so underwhelming, the final battle with her, just everything. It was just so underwhelming. Even the boss battle with... Ray uh, Winstone, I think. He just, right? I'm saying that right? Yeah. All right, even with him, I mean, I don't know. It just felt, I don't know. It just felt so underwhelming. Like, this whole film, you're waiting for Black Widow to meet him and, like, literally kick his ass. But then it's just so, I don't know, it's so underwhelming. She breaks her own freaking nose <laughs> so she can't smell the fragrances. I just, even his death was underwhelming, blowing up in a helicopter. I really felt in this film, he needed to be like stabbed, have a brutal like death where you could see the pain in his face, you know? Like, it, it needed to be more satisfactory in my eyes, but it wasn't. Yeah, a more fitting death would have been to like have him be, you know, ripped apart by his creations or something, mm -hmm. but like that would have been, you know, something a bit more poetic, but I think to have, you know, Antonia Drakov's daughter in there, like she should have been a larger part of the flashbacks or should have been a larger part of Natasha's uh past narrative as a spy, like maybe she and Antonia were in training together and just their paths diverged for some reason and to have her like I'm not disappointed that she was made taskmaster for this film but taskmaster is a very prominent villain in the comics themselves and he's basically gone up against every villain or excuse me every hero that you could imagine like he's gone up against thor um 
uh, Ant-Man, Spider-Man, the Punisher, like every single hero you can think of on the Marvel roster, Taskmaster has fought. And to just be here in this one film for all of maybe like 10 minutes is a rather gross misuse of the character. I totally agree. They could they could have had such a better dynamic, better chemistry, just overall better background. Because all you get is the little flashback. Oh, she was the, you know, she she may have died in the explosion when Black Widow tried to kill him. And it just, I don't know, I think that just wasn't enough. That's why I thought, like, she actually, she wasn't under the mind control. You know, she actually hated Black Widow. Because I'm like, all right, there's some motivation. You know, you messed up my face. You, you, you know, all these, this I have to be in the suit to survive or some crap like that. Something, like something more. Instead of, up. Oh, I'm just under the spell of my dad. You know, I just, I don't know, it was just such a letdown. Well, and this is kind of telling, too, because... I mean, as far as I can tell, the rest of the uh, MCU films that are set to come out this year, um, Shang-Chi, uh, The Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home, I think like Marvel is definitely set up to have a real villain problem in its movies over the next several years because I don't know who the villain is in Eternals. It hasn't been teased yet. I mean, Shang-Chi just looks like it's you know father fighting against son. And Spider-Man No Way Home, I mean, if the rumors are true that it is you know, set in the multiverse and it's going to be villain overload is what's going to happen in that film. So I just, I really feel like that there is a big problem heading into the future for Marvel films and its villains. Well, maybe it's just, I think they're playing into the formula a little bit too much. And that was, that's like the problem because Marvel had a villain problem for a while. Well, their films weren't as formulaic until Re, until like in the past like 2015 2016 is kind of when the villains became really formulaic and the films became well the films as i was became formulaic and this film just felt exactly like it like you have the weird comedic parts that didn't make sense and i think and then the weird action scenes that just went on too long like when black widow met her sister you know for the first time in the apartment and then they have this long two-minute fight, like that ends up being nothing. I, I just, I just wish it would have. Like even in the th- afterwards, I'm like the scene would have been so much better if they just pointed the weapons at each other and you were uncertain if they were actually going to shoot each other or not. And it got, and it was really intense. You know, it was just this really, oh my god, are they actually going to kill each other? And then they put down the weapons and like talk. That would be a better scene than this crazy two-minute three-minute battle that means nothing like i just wish they would do more of that more talking more development as opposed to more you know crash and boom because i don't know it's but it's weird these films i don't even know who they're made for to be honest with you kids adults i don't know yeah they, uh, i don't think black widow is for kids i mean obviously like the avenger films are those are definitely made for kids, but Black Widow, I would say that's more kind of geared towards the the more adult crowd of the MCU that that enjoys films like Captain America, The Winter Soldier, or Iron Man Three, and they really want you know a more scaled down Marvel film. You know, focus on one character, enjoy the ride with them, and then not expect to see you know Thor or Iron Man show up or something. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I guess, but it just, it didn't feel like it, at least to me, you know, there just wasn't as much cost. And I think for, 
maybe um, for films like this, espionage, there needs to be blood. <laughs> and it just, that's why I'm confused, like, who this film was made for. Because I think, honestly, they should have made it R. Because that's why this film, to me, was, like, lacking any grit. They didn't have any blood. Like, it wasn't, they're just, it, it was too clean. Even when the girl gets stabbed in the stomach, there's nothing. Like, there's no blood. It's like, how? Like, I mean, I get it. Yes, organs, There, that's not, there's not, like, a bleeding area there. So there's not going to be much blood. But even, like, the girl falling, I mean, it just didn't, I don't know. I wish there was more. <laughs> it just, it didn't, it felt <laughs> like a PG film, you know, with, the, but they talked about women's uteruses getting ripped out. I mean, uh, the MCU is going to get R-rated films at some point. Like, I think uh, the next Deadpool movie is going to be an R-rated film. And then uh, whenever the we get the Blade reboot in the MCU, that's going to be an R-rated for sure. Because how are you going to do, you know, a vampire hunting movie that's not rated R? <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, I think they're going to try it with Deadpool first and see, you know, how the stockholders react to it. <laughs> And the producers and the box office and that if Deadpool makes actual money and they let uh, Ryan Reynolds actually do what he's supposed to be doing, like take control and it makes money, then I think they'd be willing for Blade. But, you know, it's all it's all about money for Disney. It's not about quality. You know, another thing that, you know, we should probably talk about, too. I mean, you know, we recently did an episode on Avengers Age of Ultron. And now we kind of thought that that was the last standalone film in the MCU. And since Black Widow kind of has this uh, this weird in-between quality of between Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War, has Black Widow kind of taken over that title as a true standalone film within the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I think so. It's Or at least the most recent one, for sure. Because... <laughs> I mean, she's not tied, you know, anymore because Scarlet's done. So, yeah, I would say so. I mean, but does this, does this one have the same rewatchable quality that Age of Ultron has, though? No. No, 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 no. I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I would rewatch this film, to be honest with you, because I think it's just, it's not, it doesn't have, like, Age of Ultron, with many of its flaws... There is a good film in there. It just got lost, I think, with the at the producers, you know, and the writers and in the Disney machine. I think Age of Ultron is actually a good film, but it got chopped. Whereas with this one, it just feels like the director didn't know what she was getting into. <laughs> they like got her and they're like, you can direct. And she kind of took out. It was like, Oh crap. This film is like already in the machine, in the formula, you know, like I'm just here to do like five scenes. It, it kind of felt like ready player one where Spielberg was there for like 12 days. And then the rest was CGI. Yeah. It's uh I mean, it's, a, it's certainly a, a bit disappointing to, uh, to kind of to see this film get hyped up so much over what's basically been a, a lost year for the, the Hollywood film industry, and then this is kind of like the finished product that we get. I mean, it's it's it succeeds it exceeds expectations, but it also manages to disappoint at the same time. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the director she's an indie director, and I don't really know much about her films, but it seems like her bread and butter is in like films with women. Um, empowerment and like struggle 
And you can see that in the scenes where, like, they have the family dynamic that are really good. But then it just, I think she didn't direct any of the other scenes, you know. It wasn't her choice. <laughs> <laughs> they already had a, they had another director on their second unit taking care of them. <laughs> well, that family dinner scene where uh, Melena brings in the pig and then tells it to stop breathing. I, I was freaking out because, like, she's going to. She's not going to kill the pig, right? Like she's going <laughs> to save the pig. Yeah, the pig's not going to die. Oh, I I know. Even that one. I mean, it kept your suspense. Like, wait, wake it, wake it up, wake it up, wake it up. <laughs> it's going to die. <laughs> Which, thankfully, we narrowly avoided a red shirt there. <laughs> and that's a good segue into choosing our red shirts for uh, for. <laughs> Black Widow. Did did you have a red shirt for the movie, Sean? Ugh, there's too many, man. <laughs> All the guys that died. I mean, I would say for me, the red shirt, um, the initial red shirt was the female that got stabbed through the stomach. Um, yeah, or no. Uh, it's There's like so many. There's two of them. The two spies that they wanted to save, right? The one that initially got stabbed and then saved... Uh, Natasha Romanoff's sister and then the other one that like fell off the roof um because both of those it's like it's like oh oh they could have been an asset to the team you know and you feel bad when they died so I, I felt for that how about you now I'm gonna have to agree and say the uh the former the red room assassin that Yelena kills and and receives the antidote from that was that was my choice of red shirt because I think I think her name is mentioned in the briefest of moments but for the life of me, I couldn't remember what it was. She was just that forgetful. All I know is she she gave Yelena the antidote and was free from the red room. I know. And you're like, okay, she may be a good character in this, but nope. <laughs> they kill her off. And I was I was kind of bummed with that. I really was. So I'm glad we agree. Wow, we agree on the red shirt. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, uh freaking lens flares? Did anything piss you off? Uh, you know, I think the one thing that frustrated me was Natasha's flirtation with uh, the former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, Rick Mason, who got her all of these fancy things and equipment and all that. And I mean, to be honest, I just I would have liked it more if their relationship just wasn't so shallow in the film, because it just seems transactional to me. You know, Natasha calls in like how many favors does she have with Rick Mason that he manages to get her a trailer and a car in the middle of nowhere and then gets her a, a freaking Quinjet at the end of it. Like what connections does this guy have and what sort of favors does he owe her? Like what is happening here? Oh my God, dude, I am right there with you. <laughs> he, Yes. Yes, that is the that is there that he was, and then the ending crazy scene with her falling from the sky. I mean, and the battle with in the apartment. Those are my big three scenes. I was like, what, what the heck? But with him, it just that's that's what happens when you make a character like cartoon man. Like there was something there, and I wish they would have explored it because it would have made Natasha interesting as a person. Right. Because we get to learn about her, her love. Like, why isn't she? Fl she's flirting with him. Does she date him? Like, why? Why? If she doesn't, what is her trust issues? Like, what what has happened? You know, like, let's go. Let's have the scene. Let's have that dialogue. Let's explore. But it just ended up being like a joke. <laughs> and it's like, ugh, come on. That's why I say she's the most boring <laughs> character in the film. Oh, man. 
Well, that was what bothered us. Do you want to hear what bothered the internet in uh, this latest edition in This Week in Toxic Fandom? Oh, do I? (laughs) So, the opening scene set in 1995 shows Yelena playing with a My Little Pony plushie of a style which was not released until the (laughs) mid-2010s. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I'm... I have a feeling there was some brony out there or something who was watching this movie, noticed the the plushy model they were using, and went, "That's not right. I have I know when that came out," and just took the the internet like like bronies do. It's the it's the forty year old men that go to show up to this freaking movie, man. They're like, they 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 go to Comic Con, not to hate on Comic Con, but they show up to this movie and they're like, it's like, come on, man. It's a pony. It's a, it's literally a toy. It's a stuffed pony. Who cares anyway? And probably to get an actual one from the 90s is like super expensive, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know the history of My Little Pony. <laughs> like, I don't care enough <laughs> to, to research that. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, same. Same. It's just that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Unfortunately, I have no toxic fandom because my internet and my new apartment hasn't started yet. So I have not been able to look over, but that is a fantastic one. That makes me that makes me laugh. Did you hear? <laughs> I did hear, though, something that they tried to get Robert Downey Jr. to appear in this film, but they didn't want him to because they didn't want to have like Black Widow looking weak going to a man for help. I don't know. Did you hear anything about that? Or is that just fake news? I heard I heard rumors and rumors that he was set to appear in this film in some capacity. I mean, and it it just never happened. And to be honest, like I was kind of glad we didn't get a cameo from any sort of bigger MCU hero because like you were saying, it just would have been so distracting. It wouldn't have been Black Widow anymore. It would have been like a Thor in Black Widow movie. It would have been Captain America in Black Widow movie. It wouldn't have the focus would have been taken away from her as a character. Yes. And and you know what? Didn't they? They did establish that though with her uh, sister, anyways, in the apartment. Like, why can't you just call the Avengers to come save you? You know, they're busy. They got stuff going on too. So I think you're right. You're right because it would just take it out. It would be like Harrison Ford showing up in the Rise of Skywalker. Oh wait, he did. Which of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so. Uh, anything else on your mind that you'd like to chat about this film before we go into the legacy or I guess the now box office? Uh, no, let's, uh, let's dive right into, uh, how the film is doing right now. All right. So right now, Black Widow's got an 81% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 67% on Metacritic. So pretty solid, consistent ratings all around across the board. Uh, it managed to gross $80 million its opening weekend and, so far, at the time that we're recording this, has raked in considerably more. I mean, its total uh, gross for the opening weekend was $138 million. And as of the time that we're recording this, this it's crossed that to get into $344.5 million. And that was against a $200 million budget. Now... We don't have, you know, firm numbers on that, whether all that money is from, you know, Disney Plus Premier Access or uh, other streaming, um, other, you know, revenue sources. But I mean, so far, I mean, the movie has managed to make up its budget. So hopefully continues making money as the as the year goes on. And 
and we talked about how we watched this already and I think there's been an interesting wrinkle that's developed lately and Scarlett Johansson is actually sue is suing Disney right now because she lost she's lost out on potentially like 50 million dollars because the studio put the movie on Disney plus well that sucks see that's garbage because she she deserves it and oh man I just feel bad for her then because I'm sure this was like the last film in her contract and she was ready for that big payoff, you know, and then be done with Disney. <laughs> but then they just screwed her. Well, yeah. And she for this film, she finally received a salary that was on par with what her her male co-stars were getting beforehand. So it, I mean, it took it's just it's um, disgusting to me that like it took her this long to finally get you know, a decent salary compared to what, you know, Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans was making. And now it's, now she's got to fight for more money. It's like, just give her the money. What's wrong with that? It's just bogus. I mean, it's just, it's, it's garbage. It's, you know, another example of women being underpaid or screwed over by studio execs. Like, come on, just freaking let her make the box office or, or maybe, you know, well, like I said, Disney is all about the money. <laughs> if they can say they stockholders do not care, you know, they want their money. So if they can find they can take advantage of a clause in the contract and be like, well, you know, we could save money, then they're going to do it. So I am for certain that moving forward from this lawsuit, actors are now going to have to fight for the returns on the uh streaming services as well there's going to be some clause in there now there's going to be a way because this is just it's incomprehensible it's just it's it's garbage it really is yeah hopefully she um she comes out victorious in that lawsuit and uh, gets the money she's owed i hope so too man i really do uh future do you think there's going to be uh no, well not a black widow but pro- possible spinoffs because like i said with the teaser at the oh, end wh- with hawkeye well, yeah, I mean, Yelena Belova is going to return in the Hawkeye series. It's set to come out on Disney Plus later this year. I mean, and honestly, I wouldn't rule out, you know, Scarlett Johansson in a potential return to the MCU. I mean, I mean, spoilers for Loki here, but I mean, now the multiverse is set up. So there's, I mean, there could be a possibility out there that there is a universe out there where Natasha Romanoff is still alive. So you never know what can happen in these films. That's right. No one ever dies. Or as uh, Luke Skywalker says, no one's ever really gone. Wow, we're just referencing Star Wars this whole freaking podcast. <laughs> we, you are. You keep bringing up All Star right, Wars, All right, well, man. I can't help it. it it's, it's bringing back memories of the rise of Skywalker, which isn't a good thing. <laughs> I guess go, oh boy. going into that, we can go into our uh, reviews. <laughs> Yeah, so on our unique scale for the Force-Fed Sci-Fi podcast, uh, we call it a, for Black Widow, we're going to rate this film either a wouldn't watch, would watch, would own, and would host a viewing party. So, Sean, what do you give Black Widow? Uh, For me, I would rate it a, honestly, I would give it a, a would watch. I personally, I don't ever plan on watching this film again. Um, I think Marvel fans are going to love it. It's kind of like a big, dumb, stupid action film, but it's, it's just, it's, 
it's to me it's more disappointing than anything because there's flashes and scenes where it's really good like i've said before but it's just ultimately i think it's bogged down to just a lousy writing or a lousy screenplay and then just over hype overdone action scenes that just don't make sense that go on way too long so i would put for me it's like a cross between wouldn't watch and would watch i think you have to see it once but you're probably never going to see it again so that's about me how about you you know i'm gonna agree with you here and i'm gonna call this a would watch as well and i think i i did enjoy the the movie in in many moments but it it manages to lag considerably in the second act and it makes the film seem much longer than it is I mean, but the cast has got great chemistry all around, but there's these insidious action scenes that we've talked about, and it's just, I can't get over the death of the character in Avengers Endgame. It just manages to permeate and put a stink on this movie that you just can't wash off and forget, and Ray Winstone, as great as an actor as he is, he's a completely unremarkable villain in this film, and I think those aspects of it prevent this movie from being a truly great uh, addition to the MCU. So, yeah, um, I think if you're doing an MCU marathon, this is a good one to watch. But uh, outside of that, not really. So I'm going to stick with my would watch rating. Right on, brother. Well, too easy. Thanks, folks, for uh, tuning in for this. We're about to go back to our regular uh, scheduled films, right? Planet of the Apes series, unless something else comes out that we want to check out. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's the summer season, so I mean, let's see what happens. Oh yeah, well, um, real quick before we uh, sign off, um, I guess we could for a brief second <laughs> the science in this film because <laughs> we're force-fed sci-fi. Time, uh, what what was the science of this film? Mind control. You think it's possible? <laughs> you know i actually i actually didn't look into whether mind control would be possible for this film i mean but but given how the cia failed spectacularly at mk ultra i would say no uh mind control is not possible <laughs> well, there you go folks for our science of the week oh thank you so much i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you there too easy well chris take it away my good sir all right thanks for tuning in to today's episode if you enjoyed this episode and we know that you did head on over to apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review it really helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show we are across the spectrum of social media with facebook twitter and instagram all at force sci-fi you can check out and download episodes from apple podcasts google podcasts spotify the iHeartRadio app or wherever you find podcasts and go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, forcefedsci-fi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for all of us at the Forcefed Sci-Fi team, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>